Hi, I'm Randy Kleiner. And I'm Kaylee Smith-Westbrook. As the co-founders of Series Fest, we welcome you to Breaking In, a Series Fest podcast. In 2015, Series Fest began its mission to champion and empower artists at the forefront of episodic storytelling by providing year-round opportunities for creators and industry experts to connect, collaborate, and share stories. We are thrilled to expand our mission with this podcast as we talk to working professionals in television and gain insight, advice, and hear their journey of breaking in. In 2019, Series Fest launched our first ever women directing mentorship in partnership with Shondaland. We are grateful to be bringing this incredible initiative back for a third year, giving another female director the opportunity to shadow on the Shondaland episode. And I'm thrilled to be speaking to today's guest, actor, director, and producer, Tom Verica, who has been an instrumental part of this mentorship and is currently serving as Senior Creative Production Advisor at Shondaland. As an actor, you'll recognize Tom from his work playing Jack Pryor in the NBC drama American Dreams and Viola Davis's husband, Sam Keating, on ABC's How to Get Away with Murder, among others. And as a director, he's helmed over 100 episodes for numerous television shows, including Shondaland's record-breaking series, Bridgerton, the most watched series debut in Netflix history. Tom also served as a consulting producer on the first season and is currently overseeing and co-executive producing the second season of the series, as well as the upcoming highly anticipated series, Inventing Anna. Hi, Tom. Hello, Kaylee. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me aboard. Thank you so much for doing this. I know you got to know some of my team last year working on the Women Directing Mentorship, and we didn't have a chance to meet during that process, but they all spoke so highly of you, and I was so excited when I heard you were available to sit down and chat with me. I'm very excited to be here. I love uh, I love what you guys are doing and, and the work you have coming out of there, and the talent uh, is fantastic. So I'm very happy that uh, I've become part of the process. Oh, well, thank you. Um, well, I think you have a tremendous and very interesting career, and I have a lot of questions for you, but <laughs> the title of this podcast is Breaking In, and I believe, if I'm correct, that you broke in first as an actor, so I kind of wanted to start there and hear how your career started, how you started acting, and, and how you even broke in as an actor. Uh, okay, yes. It, it, uh, my uh, trajectory uh, has certainly not been a predictable one, and I don't think any of us in this business really have a traditional path into what it is we do. Uh, I started off as an actor, uh, or getting into acting, uh, coming out of high school. I went to uh, business school, and halfway through my very first semester, I knew it's not what I wanted to do. So mm. <laughs> I had a very kind of um, honest conversation with my parents about what it might look like dropping out of college uh, and uh, doing something else. And when that kind of uncomfortable conversation, which I wasn't really prepared for, uh, came to what what I want to do, and I was fortunate to have supportive parents to say, you know, this is the time you can do whatever you want in life. Uh, there's no ridiculous, uh, you know, suggestions. What is it that you feel you want to do? And I remembered there was a, a thought and a, an idea that I had when I was in high school of uh, getting into the school play because I, I always loved the idea of uh, being in plays and acting. Um, but I played a lot of sports in high school, and th those two worlds did not mix. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was uh, I was very much uh, embedded into that world. Uh, but it, it kind of resurfaced in this moment, and I, I kind of shared my interest in doing that. And uh, one of my parents said, that's ridiculous, and I should stay, uh, stay in school and get a business degree. And the other one said, uh, you should jump in and do what you want to do. And they ultimately both came to, to support that decision and uh, really encouraged me to find out what it takes to pursue acting. And I... Um, immediately immersed myself into uh, an acting program in Philadelphia. I was from the suburbs of Philadelphia, into the Walnut Street Theater School, which is where I started my first acting class. And um, that kicked it off. And, and from that, I ended up doing, um, my girlfriend at the time was doing musical theater. And I, I ended up doing 
musical theater and I'm not much of a singer and dancer. So I, I very quickly focused on my acting and, and to, to go after that seriously, I, I moved to New York at that point and got into a much more um, concentrated and serious program, a two-year acting program uh, with a teacher by the name of William Esper, who was well-regarded and has since passed uh, uh, recently, but kind of a legendary teacher in New York. And I, I felt very lucky to have studied with him. So I moved to New York and, and then from there, I, I did any number of things uh, that led to uh, my coming to Los Angeles. Did you start mostly like focused on theater? Because I feel like most New Yorkers are like focused on theater acting or were you doing? Yeah, I was uh, I, primarily theater was what I was interested in. And I, mm-hmm. and I, I got involved with the Ensemble Studio Theater uh, while I was studying uh, with, in this two-year program, and I was also waiting tables. And then I, I was fortunate enough to start doing television commercials to support, uh, support myself uh, and started doing a number of them. And, and uh, it really, I was able to put away my waiter, uh, put the waiter job behind me and, and uh, really balance kind of doing commercials and, and doing my acting. And I started a theater company. I was part of a very small theater company where we put up original plays that eventually led to an audition to a Broadway play, which I got. Um, I did a play called Prelude to a Kiss on oh, Broadway. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course I know that. Uh, yeah. Amazing. And, and yeah, so that that year, which was 1989 or 90, uh, <laughs> uh, that year kind of really catapulted and changed the course of my career in numerous ways. I got the play on Broadway, which I ran for about a year. Uh, from that, um, they were looking for replacement um, cast on L.A. Law at the time, which was a, a, a pretty popular show. Uh, and I got cast. Uh, the producers came and saw uh, saw me in the play on Broadway, and I got that. That was my first television series, and that moved me out to Los Angeles. Uh, and then uh, that began my career in, in film and television uh, as an actor uh, at that point. Right. And did you study with anyone or you just were on your feet and learning that because you were on a television show and you were seeing mm-hmm. your work? No, I didn't you- learn. I, I didn't study with anyone television. I, I, you know, I was, again, fortunate enough to have the support of the teacher that I had for two years who who basically gave us the confidence to say, you've learned the training, mm. you've kind of learned the tools, you now will take 20 years to kind of perfect that and, and you'll have many many things along the way to sort of learn that. He said, but you don't need to learn acting anymore. You, you, have the, you, you understand what it takes to get to a certain point, uh, to find an emotion, to break down a scene, to, uh, to understand moments. Uh, you have all those tools in your toolbox. Now it's just time to put those things to play. So, so I didn't really feel, I mean, I, I suppose there is a, a technique, a television technique, that there are courses out there. I did not. I kind of learned on the job and, and um, uh, just kind of trusted the instrument that I had and, and, and worked on those elements as I navigated through different, uh, different shows. And, and I uh, literally landing on that show, which was an hour drama, I, I went into, um, I did a number of comedies, uh, Seinfeld, Will and Grace. I, I was on a number of those shows that really home improvement that were kind of uh, seminal shows uh, in the 90s. And uh, that that brought back a little bit more of the theater aspect to it because we did mm. do performance. Performance night was Friday night. So that felt much easier So uh, and very freeing in a lot of ways. Right. Uh, because it really was kind of working off the other actor. There wasn't, you know, turning around camera and have redo the scene an hour and a half later. It was all immediate. So there was a blend, kind of a blend of those two worlds uh, when I was doing a lot of those shows. So when did the directing bug hit um, and you start directing television? Uh, Probably the directing bug hit for me uh, as I had been working on series television, uh, particularly our dramas, and spending time on sets. uh, I slowly got drawn into the director's process and wanting to be part of the larger storytelling. Um, Mm. And I think immediately... Uh, uh, without understanding and or, or articulating that I was drawn into the visual sense 
Uh, I think I attempted some writing of scripts, and I'm, I'm not a very good writer. I, I, uh, my wife, is, who's a writer, is a terrific writer, and I, I, I can recognize and identify it, but I cannot craft it myself. Uh, I realized very, very quickly in, in, as I started to explore this that visual storytelling is what I was really drawn to. Uh, and it, um, in a weird way, and it wasn't until years later that I, you know, that I realized when you, we talk about the directing bug, I, I think back to my passion for movies at a very early age. And there were uh, a couple of films that struck me very early that stuck with me that looking back now, I, I think was part of my DNA that I, I mm. wasn't aware of. I think of The Red Balloon, which is, uh, uh, you know, a, a film in, in France in the, oh, uh, let's say the 1950s. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm off on that. But, uh, but it was a short film that we watched in class uh, when I was in, uh, I think, junior high or elementary school. And it had such a profound effect on me. And it, it left a last, lasting feeling and image of what those, and it was mostly images, uh, the, the emotions that that evoked. And I, and I draw back to that because that's something that I didn't, I wasn't aware of consciously at the moment. But as I think about it, that, that kind of laid the groundwork for what I inevitably was was destined to do, which is directing, uh, but always going to the movies. I mean, I spent uh, whenever uh, I, sitting and going to the local theater um, and I see movies over and over. I, I saw so many movies and my love for that, I think, sort of came full circle. And being on set as an actor and watching uh, directors work, I was really drawn into the process. So I began to explore uh, what it would take to start directing television, uh, and uh, since that was my th that was kind of where I was working. But film and indie film was really, really the draw for me. That was mm. that's where I felt my language, my eye, uh, my passion was drawn to. Is not just television, but really in indie filmmaking because of. Um, the stories, the smaller stories, the human stories that are told, and the exploration of human behavior in very kind of uh, simple everyday circumstances. Um, and there was a number of films that had an impact on me. But uh, I had a relatively slow acting year, uh, and I was feeling creatively unfulfilled and, and had been talking about directing for a while. And my wife finally gave me that nudge to push me into taking a course which I enrolled in a uh, kind of an eight-week intensive film course, which um, I wrote, shot short films on 16-millimeter non-sync uh, to really learn uh, and immerse myself in the world of lenses and really understood the um, visual storytelling, which is, which is what it was. And I also took courses, uh, at, night courses at UCLA, which were cinematography courses uh, to talk, uh, film study to talk about film. Uh, and that that kind of as soon as I started putting that in motion and started doing these things, I couldn't think about anything except doing that. And I was so, so drawn to it. That led to me uh, shooting um, a couple of uh, after I got out of that that program, um, I worked with a, a buddy of mine who was a writer and, and we shot a short film on weekends as I was working during the week on a television show. Um, from a script that he had written that uh, we put together, um, and it was about a 35-minute uh, indie film that we, uh, because it was 35 minutes, it wasn't full length, we decided to try to sell it as a cable pilot. It didn't get picked up, but it did become a calling card. Mm. Um, and I really uh, learned a tremendous amount from that, taking a project from complete inception, putting the cast together, hiring the, the key the keys of each department. And I took that to, I, I, uh, I, I, during, in the midst of that time, I was cast on a television series as, as a series regular. And I'd been, um, kind of bugging them to give me a chance to direct an episode. And I think they were kind of placating me and being nice. But when I screened this short film for the crew, uh, the response was overwhelming and, and they saw it and they immediately saw it. Oh, you, you do know what you're doing, and yeah, right. we'll give you an episode. So that started my directing and television at that point. Right. 
You mentioned there's other programs. Are there other programs you know of now that you would recommend to directors who, you know, didn't go to film school and they're having a similar career path as you? I mean, I can just speak personally. I have been an actress and was a theater director um, in, in high school and college and was always scared to get behind the camera. And But it's something I thought about for like 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually signed up for that program um, in LA and mm-hmm. I ended up booking something in New York and I had to move to New York and didn't end up doing the program. And then <laughs> well, another good for six, you. <laughs> I, thank you. Thank you. Um, and I, but then I like didn't direct for another like six years. And then finally I was like, I have to do it, but I have to say I felt so, and I still do about directing um, film because I haven't had that foundation work of um, understanding all of the lenses and loading the camera because I had a DP and it's, you know, now on a digital camera. So I like, I'm always curious too. I'm like, how do I learn? How do I immerse myself? I love that you mentioned that UCLA because I always go on their extension program. Like, what are they doing now? Like, Mm -hmm. should I go do that? So, you know, for me, I'm, I'm curious and I know a lot of other people too, who later in life decide they want to shift from acting and they want to be directing and producing. And how, how do you do or that? From editing or from any, any yeah. aspect, you know, I, a very good friend of mine, uh, uh she's a, a makeup artist and mm. you don't, you don't hear many makeup artists, but she's now producer. She just was made producer director of, of a television show. Uh, and I'm so happy for her cause she's, she had that passion and that drive. What I would say is, uh, you know, I don't know that there's any one, one school that has the magic, uh, magic formula. Uh, I, you know, obviously AFI is one that's a very reputable one, but not right. everybody gets into there. I had that same feeling, Kaylee, exactly as you, is that I felt like I was too far along to go to NYU or to, you know, a, a, a USC or some, some of these really wonderful um, programs that have tremendous departments uh, for, for that. But I was, I was already a working professional. Um, and I, what I would say is, uh, it, it may be, and you know, New York Film Academy, maybe I would suggest just getting in anything because you as an artist is really what you're bringing to the table and you're, you know, it's going to emerge in one way or another. Your passion is going to come out because at the end of the day, you can, you literally can now do it with an iPhone, no matter what tools you have, no matter what, you know, you hope you have teachers that inspire you, but all of us, you know, we, when we think to high school or college or, or any kind of trade, trade school, you know, you, you have good teachers, you have bad teachers, but it's the persistence and the pursuit of you as an individual, as an artist to want to get there. And anytime you, you have the ability to talk shop, to talk film, to talk, uh, visual language, uh, there isn't, I, I really don't think, you know, there's obviously gradations of schools that are better, but there isn't, isn't a bad learning experience to be gotten from anything you immerse yourself into. And I, I firmly believe just, just do it. You just yeah. got to get into some program and do it because out of it will, you know, I can now as, as someone who hires directors, I can look at, I can look at a, uh, at a film, at a storytelling and I don't care if it looks like crap or that, you know, we have all those things that we have it, but you understand the parameters, but is there a voice in there? Is there, does this person have a visual sense? Do they have that, uh, uh something to be told? Do they have an interesting way of, of, of shooting something? Um, those are the things that will, will emerge once you get those opportunities. So, uh, there isn't, uh, like I said, there isn't, um, a magic bullet as to, to how to do it, but just, just do it and you'll find your way. Thank you. I love that. That's that's great advice. Um, and you just touched on that you work um, and hire a lot of directors, which is something you yes. do for Shondaland, which I want to get into <laughs> as your role at Shondaland. Um, actually, tell us. Tell us what you're doing at Shondaland because I, I read your bio. <laughs> I think it's super cool. I kind of was like, oh, does he kind of have my dream job? Like, this sounds amazing. <laughs> I, you know, it isn't it's kind of an, uh, a unique, it's kind of a unicorn kind of experience. Uh, I was, uh, as when I started working with Shonda and this company back in the early seasons of Grey's Anatomy, I started obviously working a lot with them and we just had a shorthand. We, we kind of, we just clicked and there was chemistry with, with how I, I shot what they wrote and, and we just worked well together. And, when I uh, moved into being producer director on Scandal, 
which is kind of the first uh, first time I'd done the producer director job. Um, I really kind of wanted to come at it from a way that uh, very much the indie indie director thing that uh, you know I knew a lot of people who worked in television directing, but with Shonda's support, I really sought out to find uh, hearing what her her needs are and her wants is to really break new directors, directors who, you know, in a, in a, in a given season, we have 22 episodes. I, I really wanted to find, you know, a handful, five directors that we could, that we could really bring up, bring up and nurture and break in television to find some original voices peppered with the veterans who I know will deliver and do what they do. But I felt it important to really, uh, not you know to really find new voices and new ways to telling our show, but also paying it forward and providing opportunity that wasn't so easy for me when I when I started directing. Even though I had I, I directed first on my show, I had a, a hell of a, I had a very difficult time getting people to hire me just as a director on something I wasn't acting in, and mm. that was uh, I, I can talk about that separately. But yeah, uh, but someone finally gave me a shot, and I remembered that, and that was important to me and something I've kept with me all along to, uh, to find those areas to give director shots. We were, we were very successful. There was a, a particular director who I kind of, uh, who I, I, I saw her Sundance film and, and she's now a, a, a huge big wig. Uh, but she was unknown and, and we, and I found her, or, or, I, I didn't find her. <laughs> I strike that. I, <laughs> we gave her a shot to direct on television. She was destined for, for where she is now. But um, but that was kind of proof with Shonda what it is that we wanted to do. So mm. we had always talked about with Shonda finding, creating a position that sort of builds on that and creates more opportunity, particularly for for women, for people of color, before sort of this um, this this desire now to to open up the gates in so many ways. It wasn't happening at the time we were doing this, but we wanted to sort of do that and create a company uh, that did that. So. Uh, after sort of producing, directing on, on Scandal and then for, for the people, which is a show that I did two years after that, um, I had kind of gone off and was directing, uh, outside again. I wanted to sort of direct elsewhere. And this opportunity came up with Shonda with Netflix, uh, saying, I want to, uh, kind of do this on a larger scale now that the company is growing. Uh, we have, uh, we're, we're bringing along, uh, development and, uh, podcasts and web web uh, the websites. Uh, she says, "What I want to do in the directing world is," she goes, "I want to have you oversee uh, all of our shows and uh, kind of create what we did uh, on, a, on a smaller scale before, but put it on a broader scale now and across all of our platforms is create opportunity for directors, upcoming directors, finding those talents and basically being able to quote unquote vouch or back them uh, when." you know, the studios or the networks might not green light somebody or approve somebody that I would kind of be the backstop for that saying, I'm vouching for this person. I will make sure that they have all the tools necessary to succeed. And, uh, that's conceptually kind of what this position is. So it's kind of, it's kind of like producer director of, of all, all of the shows. Um, but creatively, um, it's, it's more than that. It's not just, uh, working with directors or handling directors. It's, uh, it's it's maintaining creative continuity throughout each of the shows, uh, making sure everyone's on the same page. It's um, it's working in in uh, pre production, you know, uh, getting getting uh, projects up and running. It's setting the tone for new shows. It's um, working in post, giving notes on all of our uh, episodes that we finish across all all different shows. So it's it's really a dream job that I get to kind of have my hand in all of it and then uh, be able to go in and direct on specific shows, either if, it, if it's the pilot, it's setting that look, or if it's going in to help a show run better and understand the dynamics of it, you know, uh, supporting um, department heads as well as directors uh, in kind of maintaining that, that uh, the vision that we have as a company. That's incredible. Do you find most of the up-and-coming directors – well, I know we have our mentorship program with you guys. Yes. But uh, do you guys find them mostly out of film festivals like Sundance? Or are there other ways? Is it from schools? How, how are you finding this new talent? 
It comes from, as, as I believe in this industry, there's no one, one road. I think it comes from all different angles. Um, having been introduced since I came aboard, uh, having been introduced to Series Fest uh, and, and your program, I was not aware of. Uh, and I was uh, immediately uh, saw the, the enormous uh, opportunity and a, a lot of phenomenal talent just in the one year that I was a judge on the panel of, of, for our Shondaland thing, um, the numerous directors that came out of there. And, and I know we pick kind of one person to, who wins the, the, um, uh, I'm not sure what, what the title of the, of the, uh, mentorship the, initiative. Yes. The yeah. mentorship initiative. <laughs> yeah. uh, even though we picked, we picked one person to do that. And, uh, Tamika Miller, who, who was the one who came out of that, who I, I absolutely adore. And, uh, things are already happening for her. Uh, we're making, uh, inroads for that to happen. But there were, uh, I literally, there was a number of other directors that I was so drawn in by their work. Um, and it, it uh, I immediately, um, had, I set up zooms with, with each of them that I was really interested in and really impressed by their work. Uh, yeah. So, so, so through the, uh, DGA program, I, I meet a lot of young directors there whether it's first-time directors, uh, if I'm seeing, you know, some of the programs that I watch on television, if, you know, if we're doing a show uh, like Bridgerton, which I direct on and produce on, uh, if uh, for a Bridgerton director, that would be very tough to break a first-time director in something that size and scope. But it doesn't mean, it, it, as we sort of get on, it doesn't mean that that can't happen if someone has some experiences that can speak to that. And if we can find opportunities for that, um, I'm always looking, as well as the team at Shondaland, uh, in uh, keeping, you know, keeping our options always open to finding those new directors and new voices. I love that. That's amazing. Um, since I first sat down with the team at Shondaland, I, I first sat down with um, Allison Akel. I think it was like mm-hmm. four years ago at this point. And just the whole culture over at Shondaland of how you guys lift people up within the company and just hearing you speak now of um, – you know, our mission at Series Fest, Randy and I are both artists ourselves, but our mission has always been to give a platform to other artists. So I'm just so moved and love hearing uh, everything you just said. Um, you know, you're completely give- doing that. And I, and I love oh, that you guys you. are doing it. And I'm glad that uh, coming aboard from this, Shondaland made me aware of your program specifically because I was, uh, you know, you're not sure. You, you hear of a lot of festivals, but. Uh, when I saw the uh, the caliber of of, uh, of talent and voices coming through your program, I was uh, I was very extremely impressed and and very happy that uh, that I've got to meet you guys. Yeah, and <laughs> I love that you kept in touch with people who didn't win. That's really awesome. Thank you, thank you for doing that. I, we're very appreciative, and I'm sure those those people are as well. Well, I'm, I'm I'm I hope to give them an opportunity, and and like I said, to continue that dialogue to to either assist and help in any way, whether it's you know, uh, uh, advice on reels or, or directions they're going in. And, and as we expand, I'm hoping to sort of broaden our, uh, uh, our roster of, of uh, people that we can give opportunity to. That's awesome. Um, I want to go back for a second because you touched on that you had a point in your directing career where it wasn't easy to get work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love to hear how you got through that because I think so much of the time we have a tendency to focus on the positive things and everything that went great. And so I think it's a good reminder to everyone that, you know, things aren't always smooth sailing. And so I'd love to hear how you were able to then break through and really, you know, get your career growing as a director. Yes, it was. Uh, so it was around that time that I had suddenly uh, decided this is where I'm destined in my career to be directing and, and mm. uh you know, I, I had um, two different independent film scripts that I uh, that uh, friends of mine or, or someone that I know had written, and we I'd been going through the incredibly challenging process of trying to fundraise, and and uh, but I realized that the amount of time it takes to sometimes get those off the ground and what you want to do to pull all those elements together takes some bit of time uh, and was not not immediate. Um, but what I immediately wanted to do since I was working and I had to support myself and my family uh, is to start earning money and directing on television was uh, uh, kind of my new version of doing commercials to supplement what I really want to do. Uh, and then I discovered that I really enjoy directing television, especially in this age we're in now because there's so much wonderful material on television. It's much more immediate. 
So uh, as I embarked on doing that and I got my opportunity after I made that short film to direct on the show that I was starring on, uh, it was wonderful. And I thought that was it. And, and I've arrived and, and I'm going to be able to direct on television uh, wherever I want. Uh, I discovered very quickly once that show ended that year that that was not the case. And I reached out and I had a lot of um, contacts of, of people that I've worked with, directors that I've worked with and producers that I've worked with as an actor that I reached out to. Uh, and um, I was uh, not only was I not getting uh, the opportunity or, or people really considering me, um, I, I did what I recommend uh, a lot of directors do. And what a lot of directors do now is I shadowed uh, uh, for a very long time or for, for quite some time of, uh, in an effort to a to see how different camps work, uh, b to quote unquote network because it is a networking aspect of the business that's a reality and 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 really kind of get around people who don't know me uh, as a director and look at me through that prism uh, to kind of be part of those meetings that I didn't really know a whole lot of whether in in prep uh, and and then being on set and then uh, if I'm lucky to be in post. Um, so I really kind of utilized a lot of those contacts and shadowed on a number of shows and, and always getting the, well, we don't have any openings right now, but, um, and I felt as I was doing one after another that I really, it really solidified my confidence in, in being able to do this and work on different shows and work in this platform. Um, and, and I just wasn't getting the opportunity and I was feeling really, obviously taking uh, small acting jobs here and there to try to keep keep things going but really wanting to bust into directing uh but the opportunities just weren't uh, weren't providing that and I used kind of my what I would call my A list of of a handful of people and and to no avail there was no no openings and nobody willing to give me a shot um there was one uh producer director uh named Bill Delia who who's a, a kind of legend in this business and, and became a mentor of mine. Uh, I had shadowed him and, and I really impressed upon him the need to uh, be given an opportunity if an opportunity ever opens up. And I think it was just, it was timing. Uh, I had just come off of uh, shadowing him on, on uh, Boston legal, which was the show. Uh, and um, shortly after that conversation inside a week, uh, a director had fallen out of a position that started in 10 days. Oh, wow. And because, you know, all the star directors and veteran directors, they were all, you know, the, they get booked up well in advance. <clears throat> I think they really had to take a chance and a flyer on somebody. And I was available at that time. <clears throat> and him, you know, being there all the time, he basically was the one who could vouch for me right. uh, and watch over me to make sure I didn't go off the rails. Um, so he, uh, he offered me this opportunity. A lot of people were nervous, uh, but he prepped me well, uh, realized I kind of knew it. I was very organized, very planned, shot listed everything, knew exactly what I wanted, talked about the style of the show and, and reassured him because he was taking a chance and I wanted to make sure I was uh, overly prepared. Uh, and then dealing with the actors, uh, was something that, was a benefit being an actor. It's you kind of get a pass as a director turned actor uh, with with actors because you understand what actors are going through. Right. And I had that kind of language to be able to speak to uh, to uh, to the two actors on that show who were quite big personalities. Um, so that uh, that was kind of how it happened. And I happened to catch, as oftentimes you need as a director, I caught a really good script. Um, and it, it was one that ended up uh, the, the James Spader ended up winning the Emmy for that episode. Oh wow! Uh, so that was luck of getting the right script, uh, but it, it, the experience went very well. And uh, it, it was funny because I do tell the story when I turned in my director's cut to ABC. Uh, I, I got a call that night asking to come in to meet the executives at ABC, and I went in uh, uh, two days later and met with the, the heads who hired directors there and were gushing about the episode and basically said, you know, any show you want to direct on ABC, you just name it. Now that was, I, I laughed because as like 
three weeks ago before I got this job, I was I'm the same director as I am right now. I just needed that opportunity, but I couldn't get I couldn't get arrested. I couldn't get anyone to give me a shot. My short film that didn't impress the hell out of people enough, but it was um, wow. You know, it was a series of, of breaks that we need and. and and, you know, when we talk about the non-traditional path, there, there is no traditional path. And you just need to keep hammering and keep keep that persistence and finding that. And somebody will – you'll get a shot somewhere. You'll get an opportunity or something – some piece of material that you have will speak to somebody and they'll see something in that that you just never know where it's going to come from. And that kind of really is what opened up everything at that point. And then I ended up doing a bunch of ABC shows, one, one of them which led to Grey's Anatomy, which then led to my relationship with Shonda, which led to where I'm at today. So it really is, um, it's kind of unconventional. I knew it's what I wanted to do. I was not going to, to accept no. And, and, you know, it's, it's challenging when you have to make money and you have to have jobs, but you just got to find ways and and get into programs to get your work seen, to have the opportunity to meet and talk to people in, in position that can hear what you're saying. And, and, it, it does, does seem to be a lot more people wanting to direct now, but you right. can't worry about that. And you just got to worry that your star will rise as it's supposed to. I love that. Is there anything you do for every show um, when you're prepping? Is there like one key thing that no matter what, it's what you start with or just something you always do on every TV show you're directing? Uh I think the the one consistent thing I do, and even on shows that I know, uh, like I'm about to get my uh, my scripts for Bridgerton, which I, I I'm not sure what's going to happen yet in the, the block that I'm directing. I'm about to start directing my episodes of, of season two. Uh, but the one thing, even though I know the show really well, uh, I I kind of I take those scripts and I tune I shut everything out. I turn off the phones and everything, and we'll just read uh, the script from beginning to end. Try not to think about any of the technical and really just uh, immerse myself into the emotion of what's happening with these characters. I'll jot down uh, those first thoughts that I feel an audience goes through uh, of what this feels like, uh, what hits me, what's not ringing true, those things that you, mm. you normally do. But I really, I really do it uninterrupted because I, I, I need to sort of understand that first time that I read a script – um, how it hits me and what that feeling is. And I'll write what that feeling is that will help inform how I want to shoot it. Uh, and then, you know, as you get into prep, what, what tools or equipment do you feel will help, uh, highlight kind of that feeling that you had, uh, when first reading this scene or what, what happened. So, uh, I think that's the one consistent thing I do is to really block out the world and just, uh, you know, read that script under uninterrupted and, and, purely just experiencing it as a viewer and not as a director. Got it. I mean, you just mentioned Bridgerton a few times, and I feel like I can't not ask because it's such a huge <laughs> success. I, of like, I know. Um, I mean, any fun stories or secrets about the making of Bridgerton that you haven't shared yet that you just want to share on our podcast? Because we all love it so much and we're dying for season two. You know, I have 10 things here that no one ever knows that I'll tell you right now. No, oh, I'm kidding. amazing. <laughs> um, your best day on set. Well, I can't. What, say it again? I was going to say your best day on set. I don't know. Give me anything. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, well, my best day on set was actually so many of them. I, I think not, you know, I, I was really excited as a director uh, walking into a world that, uh, into a world and a culture that I had not worked uh, I had not worked in England before. And, uh, uh, I had not worked with many British actors other than those who've come here who do amazing American accents that I can't tell they're British. Uh, so walking into not only that, w- w- the world of, of working in England and what that, the challenges that it has, but a time period in, in Regency period London uh, in a period piece was all very exciting. And, and I felt, uh, you know, it was it was very exciting and very intimidating to walk into that world. I did um, have a slight benefit of of working with Reggae before. Reggae was uh, Reggae and I worked together on For the People, and he was he was a friend. So mm. when he got cast in that, and, and knowing I'd be working with him, we had a already had a really good working relationship and a trust uh, in that approach. So that only enhanced sort of uh, the episodes that I that I got to direct. Um, chief among them, the second one, which is kind of his origins episode, uh, which was a, a really a great experience. But I think, you know, 
so, the days that I enjoyed the most, I think the the balls, uh, directing the balls were the most challenging. I had five balls in my two episodes, and that was uh, just overwhelming and daunting to approach that because so much of it is is technical, and there's so many other elements, whether it's the dance choreography or the, the coverage or the, the 20 characters who are in the things. That, those are the ones that drove me mad. Mm. <laughs> uh, but within that... Uh, there was one moment that's that stands out, uh, and it was the one I think it was in episode. Oh my gosh, I think it was episode three, where uh, Simon and Daphne have a dance in the. Uh, it was the Crystal Ball where they were performing for uh, Burbrook, who was watching, and it was a moment in their relationship where there was a real chemistry, and, and it was we were getting to that area that was bleeding into their. They're revealing their true feelings for one another as opposed to the, the facade that they've kept all along. And it's that moment that they they really start to take each other in and, and consider one another. And um, it's exciting as, as, as a director to be part of that collaboration as you discuss how is this dance different than that dance and, and you know, separating the moments of these dances. And we had a moment where uh, where they were dancing and we were, we had this classical piece of music that was kind of an upbeat because we wanted the energy to be really kind of, uh, fun and them really with their guards down and really kind of enjoying one another. And then we put on, um, I, I kind of prepared these contemporary songs, uh, these pop songs. And it was a song by plan B that, uh, that I said that I, I, we put on and it, it did something to their, Behavior, and when you discover these things or these things happen, you see in the coverage and they're in their faces having something that sort of gives them the environment mm. to really lose themselves, uh, and and you capture a real connection between them. And that that scene, a lot of people talk about. It was really just uh, fun to witness that it was it, it was infectious throughout the crew. Everyone kind of applauded afterwards because of how much they were into each other and into that moment. And that's something that. You can sort of pseudo plan, but, you know, but them really kind of leaping and taking that chance. uh, That was a lot of fun. And then uh, one of the scenes that I that I I I immediately had all the shots in my head when I first read it. um, That was also another one that was a a pivotal moment for them is when they were in the gallery, uh, just the two of them. And they first they touch for the very first time as they're Mm. looking at the painting. Right. Uh, And that was uh, that was uh, we had. we were rushed to do that, and I had all these shots that I wanted to do, but I knew exactly what I wanted to do, uh, and they went with it, and we weren't sure if it was going to come off as a moment of real uh, sexual tension uh, just with that, but they did a phenomenal job, and those two actors were just uh, phenomenal to work with, but um, those are two moments that kind of stand out, but, uh, but it great. really is uh, the, the whole the whole cast. I mean, Nicola Coughlin is just... Uh, an absolute treat to work with. Uh, they all are, and they're all game. That's amazing. Well, thank thank you for sharing. Sure. Um, well, before we wrap up, I have one last question for you that I'm asking all of our guests. <laughs> if you could have worked on any television show in history, what would it Oof. have been, and what would you have done on it? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Any television show in history... Like the Brady Bunch? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, totally. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> I, I, the comedy in me immediately goes to something as as silly as that. Uh, I would say probably um, the, the the show that just jumps out is probably The Sopranos. Um, oh wow! Yeah. And I there's a number of shows uh, that I think about, but The Sopranos one uh, it was just at the time such a very different different world. The uh, it was so specific and so unique. It didn't feel like it was a Hollywood-made show. There was a, a you know, the locale of of of, of Jersey and, and and the characters in there really felt like you were put in a, in a world that was not far from us, um, but really authentic and and really true. Um, what was the second half? What would I do differently, or what would I? No, what, what would you I have do? done on it? So any. Actor, writer, director, producer, what would you want to be on it? Oh, I would have loved to have acted on it. I would have loved to have directed it. <laughs> um, 
No, I, I think probably directing is is what I immediately that's that's what I admired a, a lot about that. I thought uh, creative visuals on that show, uh, and then I, I think you know you know maybe playing a part that would have had a very a, a pivotal part that gets killed and gets whacked by one of, of those course, guys. Would of be course, fun. you have to get killed. <laughs> that's that's the only way. That's the only way. Well, thank you so much. This was incredible. I just appreciate you being so open and honest and, and sharing your career and your your insights and everything. So thank you. Oh, absolutely, Kaylee. Thank you very much. Thank you for uh, for not only uh, Series Fest and, and all you're doing, but your questions I thought were fantastic. And I really enjoyed thank talking you. to you. So thank yeah, you. me too. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode. SeriesFest is a nonprofit organization, and our work would not be possible without our incredible board of directors, staff, and partners who make programs like this podcast possible. We have ongoing competitions, initiatives, and mentorship programs year-round, so please check us out at SeriesFest.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up-to-date on announcements. This episode was edited by Neil Trulio with original music by Adam Westbrook.
That's amazing. I know a lot of our listeners in our community are, you know, they're multi-hyphenates, they're directors, writers, actors, and I think a lot of people also come from the theater. I'm curious, um, coming from the theater and then booking a television show, is there something you learned in that process that you weren't prepared for or something that was helpful moving from, you know, working on a play and being on Broadway and then all of a sudden being on set? Yeah, it's very different. I mean, obviously, live theater, the the adrenaline and, and the rehearsal process that you have, the you know, you have an, a, a lot of time to rehearse and prepare. And then once you kind of get running in a play, you deal with any any uh, obstacles that that arise in the moment. You have to think on your feet. And you go with it. Uh, with television, it was a very technical adjustment for me, um, just on performance and in watching some of my earlier things um i i feel i was very big and really kind mm-hmm. of uh, analyzed and learned the art of subtlety and and what moments are and what silent moments are and how that could be captured by a lens much better uh, you know much more uh effective than it would be on stage right um so there were but and the uh, of course the uh the beautiful gift of take two and take three right. uh intelligent right. which uh you can do a, a do-over uh, and then it's cut together as if you magically did all that in one take. Uh, so that was uh, that was definitely a uh, an adjustment in sort of learning the art of acting on on television and film, or the subtlety of that, as opposed to stage, which is a, which is a bit broader and needing to sort of you know uh, project to the back of the audience. That's amazing. And I love that your teacher really gave you the confidence. It really did. I, and I feel very fortunate because, yeah, I, I find so many actors uh, um, that are, are constantly trying to find that magic, mm. uh, you know, and, and, and the constant need for class, which I, I do see the benefit in sharpening your instrument and getting into a scene class. Because I think that really does keep it, particularly if you're not working much and you want to just exercise and flex those things. But um, once you kind of learn that technique or have your kind of base and foundation, that really gave me the freedom. Um, that experience gave me the freedom and the confidence to, to, to realize I have my core now. Everything else is, is, is building onto that. Right.
That's amazing. Do you mind if I ask what program you did, the eight-week program? Uh, it was the New York Film Academy. Okay, yes. Which yeah. um, I, I, you know, I don't know where it's at now. It was the pilot program in, in California. Right. Um, they had just, uh, I, I think, started uh, with Universal. They had a, a spot on Universal. Um, I, I have to say it, uh, it was not a great program. I think okay. they were figuring it out. Got it. Uh, I, it wouldn't be one that I would I would recommend. I, I don't know what it is now. I know now they have right. they have you know they're using Final Cut Pro and everything. I didn't have all those things, but I but that said, it wasn't a great program only because I'd been working in the industry, and I found a lot of the people, uh, uh, a lot of the uh, of the thirty students that were in this thing. You know, there was probably only four or five of us that worked in the industry, and other people were brand new and and knew really didn't know anything about it. So. Uh, I, I felt I was waiting for for certain things to catch up, but I did. Uh, what I did benefit is, like I said, is learning. You know, li- literally loading the camera, setting up shots, sh- shot listing, all those things that a director needs to do as as a foundation and are great tools uh, to do. And, and we were motivated within our. We each had our own little pods um, to create all those things, and and that right. was tremendously beneficial. So while the, the at, at the time, I think it was being their first program, they had a lot of things to learn. Uh, I did learn, I did get a lot out of that program. In an effort to keep the dialogue going and and keep the opportunity, uh, as you know, I wish we had more more product that we're doing, and we are in the midst of, of creating more product. But uh, on different levels in different areas is really being creative with providing opportunity and being part of their journey, if we can provide that, because it's exactly it's exactly the kind of thing seeing a you know a twelve minute short by one of your directors. Uh, that is just beautiful work and wonderful storytelling. Uh, I, I don't think can just be sort of let go because one person wins it. It was really important for me to sort of uh, to open up. <laughs> Sorry about now the. Now uh, we hear the gardener, but it's that's okay. my gardener. We're, we're, we're <laughs> Literally came just outside this window. We, we all know it's still we're still getting over a pandemic. We're not in the same room, so it's fine. We're hearing the gardener. It's cool. Just yeah. <laughs> uh, to reset on that, it, it was. Yeah.
it was really important for me, uh, not only in the position that I'm doing, but just as a, as an artist, as someone who has benefited and being in a position to open up opportunity to really, if I can help opening those doors, I really want to be pivotal in doing that. Uh, and there are uh, some of the directors that came through. Uh, I have maintained over the past year dialogue, even if it's just checking in, if it's looking at their work. across uh, because that's I, I'm interested in finding new directors and new voices so it happens through like series fest it happens through um, people who I may may have worked with on other productions in different areas who have made a short film uh, I, I uh, look at many short films uh, either coming through our development uh, team at Shondaland uh, which they have their ways and they'll say hey we'd like you should meet this director or looking at um uh, different festivals, South by Southwest, if there's, if there's films that people have enrolled. Uh, a, a lot of my contacts come through DGA. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with the, uh, uh, the DD, uh, director's initiative at DGA. I've been on a few boards of those as well. I, I um, oversee a number of seminars uh, for a first-time director's program, which is uh, something that I was part of the piloting program of prepping people who get their first episode of television, we have a seminar that we do nine hours on any given Saturday, probably once a month, I think. Uh, I don't do them all, but I do occasionally. And me and two other directors basically uh, speak, we, we walk the directors, the first-time directors, literally from, from the very first step of, of when they are hired for a job to post-production. And it's a very intensive, long day, but it really gives you the equipment and, and the tools that if you follow this, it will, I wish I had it when I first started directing, it would have saved me, you know, eight years of learning on the job. Uh, it really gives you tremendous detail about every stage and learning personalities, job positions and what you're really required to do. Things like what you alluded to, which was a big insecurity of mine as an actor of not knowing lenses, I really wanted to immerse myself in the technical but I forgave myself a lot of that once I got into it. And it's not so important that you know, is this a 35 or a 50? Is this I, right. the most important thing that we, we uh, if you do know those things, fantastic. And you want to learn those things. But really the, the, the important part, as I've learned, and I still give myself this uh, freedom occasionally to this day in talking to a DP, is talking about what the scene, what's ha what the scene means emotionally, what I want it to feel like. If I can give a visual reference of, of how I want this to feel, by communicating that and articulating that to a DP, he can then or she can take those, those tools and understand how to execute what it is that you want. So it's not so important that uh, you, you have all those terminology down. I, I think you should as much as you can, but, but don't beat yourself up if you don't have that. And if you're trying to focus on that, you're getting away from the, the important element, which is what is the scene about and what I want this to feel like. Right. So, um, 